So tonight we have a special guest. Um, tonight is a testimony night, but we'll still be reading through John. Um, so we'll be in John 4, if you guys want to turn there. John testing, chapter testing. 4. So our guest, her name is Erica Roosevelt. She lives in Morton. I went to college with her. She's one of my besties. So I'm very happy that she's here tonight um, talking about John. And uh, she's just kind of going to talk about and relate this to her life. So Kent has some questions that he's going to ask. But before we start, um, we're going to read John 4. Okay, so if you guys would follow along. John chapter 4. When Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard he was making and baptizing more disciples than John, though Jesus himself was not baptizing, but his disciples were, he left Judea and went again to Galilee. He had to travel through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, mm -hmm. near the property that Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, worn out from his journey, sat down at the well. It was about noon. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Give me a drink, Jesus said to her, because his disciples had gone into town to buy food. How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan woman, she asked him. For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered, if you knew the gift of God and who is saying to you, give me a drink, you would ask him and he would give you living water. Sir, said the woman, you don't even have a bucket and the well is deep. So where do you get this living water? You aren't greater than our father Jacob, are you? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and livestock. Jesus said, everyone who drinks from this water will get thirsty again, but whoever drinks from the water that I give him will never get thirsty again. In fact, the water I will give him will become a well of water springing up in him for eternal life. Sir, the woman said to him, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and come here to draw water. Go call your husband, he told her, and come back here. I don't have a husband, she answered. You have correctly said, I don't have a husband, Jesus said, for you've had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. Sir, the woman replied, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews say that the place to worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus told her, Believe me, woman, an hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know because salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming and is now here when the true worshiper, worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Yes, the Father wants such people to worship him. God is, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Jesus told her, I, the one speaking to you, am he. Just then, his disciples arrived, and they were amazed that he was talking with a woman. Yet no one said, what do you want, or why are you talking with her? Then the woman left her, jar, left her water jar, went into town, and told the people, Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? 
They left the town and made their way to him. In the meantime, the disciples kept urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said, I have food to eat that you don't know about. The disciples said to one another, could someone have brought him something to eat? My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work, Jesus told them. Don't you say there are still four more months and then comes the harvest? Listen to what I'm telling you. Open your eyes and look at the fields because they are ready for harvest. The reaper is already receiving pay and gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and reaper can rejoice together. For in this case, the saying is true. One sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap what you didn't labor for. Others have labored and you have benefited from their labor. Now many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of what the woman said when she testified. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. Many more believed because of what he said, and they told the, Samarit- and they told the woman, we no longer believe because of what you said, since we have heard of ourselves and know that this really is the Savior of the world. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this time at Hype tonight, um, and that we can all just be here together in your presence, worshiping you. I just pray, Lord, that you would prepare our hearts um, for whatever it is that you want to point out to us through Erica's testimony tonight and through John 4. I pray, Lord, that we would just be willing to listen to you, that you would just give us open hearts and open hands to listen to your word, um, to be able to receive that, uh, and to be honest with you about what we're feeling and what's going on in our lives. I just pray that through this, Lord, we would see where you're at um, in our everyday life, and just not tonight. Um, I just pray, Lord, that you would be here with um, Erica and Kent as they just go over this and they teach us. Um, I just pray and just praise you, Lord, for who you are. I pray all these things in your son's name. Amen. Am I on? I am on. I'm going to turn myself down a little bit because I'm like running AV tonight and I'm just a little loud. Can everyone still hear me? First off, give Amber a round of applause. She's been emceeing tonight and been doing a great job. A big part of that is because, if you can't tell, my voice is about gone. It's getting better, actually, in fact. Um, Friday, if you were at the fifth quarter, I could barely talk at all. Um, so Amber's been kind of my voice today, um, which has just been a huge blessing uh, for us. So if you have not been here yet for a testimony night, or we haven't had one since last year, so it's been a while. This is our first one of the year. Kind of what we're doing this year is, if you notice, Amber read John 4. And Erica's story and testimony, she will connect with John 4 and share how she herself came to know Christ as the Messiah kind of like the Samaritan woman, um, and just seeing how lives before Jesus, what that conversion moment was like, and how Jesus has changed her life since. So, if you would please also welcome Erica to the stage. Woo! Here's some pictures of Erica. Yeah, Erica, yeah. you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and a little <laughs> about your family? Yeah, so the top yeah, left, my right picture is picture of my two girls and I. Um, I had those shirts made where it says I make cute babies and then each child has cute baby on it. Um, and then my husband and I at the Marigold Festival, 
not really much else. Um, Ellie is the bigger one. She is four in January, and then Nora just turned two last week. So they're very close in age, nice and fun. Chandler works in a COVID lab, so that's fun. He's gone lots, and we have lots of friends at our house. So fun fact, Eric and Chandler were at ICC when Amber and I were at ICC, and we all went on the same mission trip. And look at that. Two married couples came out of it. Lots of married couples. Well, there's, a, there's a there's a third like, one oh, as well. Four. There's four, right? Four. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You got a question, Devin? Good. My husband claims to be. <laughs> I do not. So it depends on who you ask. So thank you for introducing yourself, Eric. I appreciate it. So let, let's talk about your story. First question, what was your life like before your relationship with Jesus? Give us some background. Um, what, what was life life like growing up for Erica at that point, Sabin, yes. now yeah. Roosevelt? Um, so just in general, selfishness, living for myself. Um, I first grew up, my mom had a biblical background, and my dad was Catholic and did not have a biblical background. So just that in mind, we were not going to church. Um, and then when I was younger, I was molested. Um, and then just growing up in a purity culture type of thing where if you did or looked at anything wrong, which... Yes, it is wrong, but at the same time, you were very shamed for it, um, even if you were the one being abused. And so that was really hard. I felt a lot of shame from that, and now I did not seek the Lord for that. Um, and just another thing of, like, my father, when we were younger, my parents divorced. And so I did not get a chance to have a godly, earthly father. And so I looked to other men or other boys around my age and everything like that, which just led to more trouble. Um, my dad then came back into our lives when I was a teenager, and then I was very resentful and then lashed out. Um, even as a teenager, I was very rebellious, and then around uh, 18 or so, I came back to the Lord. Or not back, but I came to the Lord, torn from my selfish ways, and then, uh, yeah. So what, what are some similarities that like, you felt like you could relate with the Samaritan woman? Like, there's obviously things that she was shamed of. Um, yeah, what, what was some of that? What was, like, the root shame that, like... Yeah, for sure. Shame definitely in just, like, my own self, my own doings, and choosing the life. Like, she had five husbands, uh, quote-unquote, on husbands. But she chose that and whatnot. And even myself, like, choosing lustful and sinful desires rather than choosing things that delight in the Lord as well. And so having that... Um, and then later she turned and then uh, expressed like, oh, this is the man who knew all the things I've done. And then me going and telling, yeah, I'm not ashamed of things that I've done before. It is wrong and I will admit to it. But then going and proclaiming the Lord for it. Yeah. So what was that moment like? What was that conversion experience like when you met Jesus and like the man that knows you perfectly and loves you holistically? What was that interaction like? Yeah, that was a very, very sweet moment. Um, I was a, I was 17 years old. Um, I had a bad accident with a horse. I broke my arm. I have scars. The doctor said um, I could have, if I didn't wear a helmet that day, which I don't wear helmets when riding horses, now I do, but the doctor said if I didn't wear a helmet that day that I could have had brain damage or died. Um, and in that time of my life, I was in a very abusive and just sexually promiscuous relationship, long-term relationship. And uh, shortly after, the boyfriend and I broke up, and I texted him. I was like, you know what? I'm okay with it. I have a man who loves me, who finds me worthy, and all these things, and I feel so loved by him. And he was like, 
I knew you were cheating on me. And I was like, I'm talking about Jesus. And so that was fun. So I felt so loved. And I was like, you know what? I don't need this broken relationship because with Jesus, we're made whole. Yeah. And that was the truth that revealed you to, like, believe and to really hold on to Jesus. Yeah. So since then, how has Jesus changed your life since your conversion? What are some evidences of the Holy Spirit living in you? Um, and can you relate with the Samaritan woman and sharing the gospel with others, um, and whether it's family, friends, or strangers? Yeah. And so um, with that, maybe one, two, two? Uh, three. Three. All right. Sorry. Um, so one of the things is um, I've been teaching my kids Galatians 5, 22, 23 is the spirit, uh, fruit, fruit of the spirit. spirit. Yes, thank you. Yep. Um, and so doing that um, just with, like, my kids, um, but also, like, I was a very angry person before. I was so mad at my father. I was mad at, like, any guy. Um, and then now I still am angry at times, especially having people who push my buttons, little tiny people, and just overwhelmed with daily things. But instead of lashing out at people, I then stop and pray. I'm like, Lord, like, I'm angry. I'm so frustrated with this. Please help. And I turn to the one who restores all things rather than myself or people, rather than um, people who will not fulfill things, and God will. Um, One of the things is I used to be so complainy and just gossip as well. And now I will try to hold my tongue sometimes, um, when talking, I will complain or ask for different things, but a lot of times I will first go to the Lord and say, Lord, like, this is my frustration. This is my anger. Please take it from me and or find you in this rather than seeking for other people's approval. Um, I mean, now I am married, and so I don't have other promiscuous relationships. I don't look at other men. That's one of the things. Um, not everyone has that, but my... Um, great blessing I tell my husband is I don't find any other guy attractive. I'm like, I really just enjoy you. And so that was one, I don't know, thought of blessing. Um, But also just looking for God's approval, not for man, not for anyone else. I don't look for approval in my children, which a lot of parents do, um, but finding God in all of that. Now, obviously, when we become Christians, our lives aren't perfect. We don't try to create that illusion at all. Just because you have Christ in your life does not mean you struggle with anything. does not mean your life becomes ho-hum and you'll never sin or have any struggles at all. We still struggle with sin when we um, are uh, a believer. So how do you deal with sin differently now that you have a relationship with Jesus as opposed to um, before your relationship with Jesus? And do you have any specific examples? First off, prayer is like a high thing is stopping even those short times of like, dear Lord, like I'm crying out to you. I feel this and just letting him know, letting him really know your heart in that. The Psalms are really good for that as well. Um, And even Lamentations. Um, I enjoy creation. I enjoy going outside. I loved um, just being in nature. And so I have a lot of plants in my house. I do that personally. Um, I am going to get Amber into some plants so you guys can see that. Um, but being outside, going on a hike, um, I really love that. And just being um, with animals as well. I don't have a horse anymore, but a cat and a dog. So they're pretty generic, but I enjoy yeah. them. Cool. Thanks for sharing. So our youth ministry has been sending through the Gospel of John. That's why we have these scripture notebooks. That's why we read John 4 today. Um, what is one gospel truth that you would want every middle school, high school student to know and to hold on to? Um, Definitely do things for God's glory and not for your own, not for mankind. Uh, One of my favorite books that really changed 
my perspective is Don't Waste Your Life by John Piper. He has a sermon of when you're old and you're um, picking up seashells and you're tired and you're walking on the beach, like when you go up and you meet the Lord, are you going to say, look, God, look at all these seashells I have for you. Like, look at how beautiful they are. And it's like you wasted all of your life, all of your retirement to pick seashells. And how depressing is that? Rather than, Lord, look at all that you have done for me. Look at Jesus. I've proclaimed him. And so in that book, uh, Don't Waste Your Life by him, by John Piper, it was one of the things that really uh, talks about glorifying God with every single thing that you do, whether it's doing dishes, doing homework, doing chores in general, um, whether you're singing or talking to a friend. And so find glory in God in all those little moments and even in big moments. Cool. What would be some practical advice that you would give to students right now, especially those guys in the back who are having a hard time paying attention, Landon and Max? Uh, what are some practical advice that you would give to students on how to share the gospel with others around them, whether it's family, strangers, um, maybe close friends? Um, just being conscious of who's around you, because you can even share to people who say that they're Christians. I said I was a Christian for 11 years, and I did not s do the things that I was speaking. I was not actually living how I should. So even preaching to yourself, telling yourself daily to the gospel, um, looking at uh, scripture, memorizing scripture is one of the things truly, like have it written all over, and not just cliche verses like, Jeremiah 29 11, but go deeper like Jeremiah 29 13 like if you seek him um, with all your heart then he will help if you seek me you'll find me with all your heart that's what it is um, but yeah and then also like the gospel can stand alone we do not need to water it down that was a big thing as well is um, I would try to make the gospel more delightful when really it's about someone who was brutally murdered for us for us to be able to know God and know him. And it is not all roses. It is a very gory but very real thing, and it is genuinely lovely in that. Yeah, yeah, it is. Thank you. So um, that, that's all the questions I had. Does, do any of you have questions for Miss Erica? Any questions about her life? Any questions in general? You want to know about her family? Anybody? Max? Yeah. Right now we go to Grace and Morton. Um, I really enjoy it. I like sound theology. Um, one of the things a podcast I listen to uh, says bad theology hurts good people. So Grace and Morton I really enjoy. Too far from here to go here. <laughs> yes. They live in Morton, by the way. Uh, yes. Just bought a house. Yes. yes, we did. We bought Just a house summer. like three, four months ago. It's nice. Yeah. Contemplating on moving again. Oh, my. I want to go to Colorado. Anybody else got any other questions for Erica? Family? Faith-related? Job-related? No? Yes, Karina, and then Amber. Oh, bad theology hurts people. I think I have hurts it. Hurts good people. Or hurts good people. Uh, no, I brought my husband's water bottle. I have it on my water bottle. My kids are very patient. Um, actually, today, Eleanor, uh, Ellie, Eleanor, the oldest, she was sitting on the swing, and we were just talking about church today, and she goes, Mom, I just love Jesus. And I was like, oh, like, how much does she love him to just talk about him? 
and how so many times I don't give him a second thought, even in my day um, today. And so she's constantly thinking of him and just talking about him. So being more mindful of that and also just how I talk to them, mm. um, especially, and then trying to root everything in parenting back to, hey, like I'm doing this to try to show you Jesus, which is hard when you're punishing them for something. And how, how old is Ellie? Ellie is three and a half. Three and a half. And claims to love Jesus. A three and a half year old can understand the gospel, which is super cool and amazing. Yes, Aubrey. For sure. I felt so alone and I was so angry and depressed. Um, and then now, like, I find joy in just the smallest things. I will, um, there will be things that I'm upset about, and I will be like, you know what, in the grand scheme of it all, like, I don't need to be angry about this and letting things go. And it's definitely not things that I've done, but the Lord in my life and being more loving to my family. But yeah, for sure. I, I forget a lot of times. Actually, uh, my mom just moved, and so I had a box of keepsakes, and I found a lot of old letters from the abusive boyfriend and pictures. And I was like, wow. I was looking at these photos. I was I don't know this Erica anymore. Like, I forgot about her. It's been almost 10 years since that photo has been taken, probably more, actually. And I just don't know who that is, which is such a blessing, because now I only know the love and joy of Jesus. Any other questions for Erica before we close? We do, oh, sorry, go for it, Amber. Yeah, I claimed I was a Christian. I went to church. I worked in youth ministry. I went as a camp counselor. I did all the Christian things. I went to church every Sunday and helped out a whole bunch. But I did not love the Lord during my week. And it was so sad because people at church would be like, oh, Erica's so helpful. Erica does this. But I was doing it for my own selfish desires and not for the Lord. Yeah. yeah. So we do these testimony nights for a couple of reasons. One, we want to see... God at work in people's lives. I want you to see God at work in people's lives outside of our youth ministry, outside of leadership, outside of other students, because it's truly amazing, a truly miracle to see God take someone who is dead in their sin, a slave to their sin, in fact, meet them where they're at, change their heart to desire to be in a relationship with him, and bring them to a spot of, I'm a sinner, God, I repent, please forgive me, and I need you. And to see how God changes their life, not perfectly, right, because we just still struggle with sin, but how God changes their life from that moment on. It is a testimony. That's what a testimony is. It's a story of God at work. That's why we have these nights. So I hope you're able to pay attention. I hope you were able to write a couple things down maybe in your notebooks as um, we're about to go into small groups after we sing um, our last song. But that's why we do these, these testimony nights. It's to see God at work and people around us. Can you, everyone give Erica a round of applause? Now, something we do to close out every testimony night is that we pray for the person who shares their story. Because we know one, we, we know a couple different truths. One, God's not done working with them because they still have breath in their lungs. And that God is still working in them and through them and able to minister to others through them. And so we want to pray for Erica right now. Um, yes, Amber, will you pray? My voice is about shot. 
Thank you. And so usually in a non-COVID world, we would surround the person and touch them on the shoulder. Um, but because things were still kind of coming out of a pandemic, social distancing is still kind of encouraged. We just want to, uh, what if we stand up and just raise like our right hand out to Erica to show a sign of affirmation of like, hey, I am praying for you. So would you stand up? <clears throat> no, you, you, you stay sitting. Yeah, you're good. Yeah. And then just reach out a hand to show our support. And then Amber will close us with a prayer before we pray or before we sing. Lord, thank you so much for Erica and her family. Um, thank you that she could be here tonight to just be open and honest um, about her life and how you've worked, um, to be honest about who she was before you, Lord, even though she thought she was a Christian. Um, and that looked like going to church and doing all these Christian things. But really, Lord, having a relationship with you is about um, our hearts and you being in us and changing our every life um, throughout our weeks and not just what that looks like on Sundays. Lord, um, I just want to lift them up to you, the Roosevelt's as a whole, um, and you placing them in Morton and you placing them at Grace um, and not church, Lord, I just pray that they would be a blessing to the people that surround them. I pray, Lord, that you would just fill her whole family with your spirit, um, that you would use them uh, for your glory to love others and love you with their whole heart, Lord. Um, I just... Pray, Lord, that uh, Erica's little ones, Ellie and Nora, would grow up to love you and know you. Um, and I thank you so much that uh, Ellie has already proclaimed that. And I just pray that Nora would also know you too. Um, and I pray for Chandler and just his workplace, that you would use him um, and continue to use him. And uh, yeah, so I just pray, Lord, that um, you would grow them uh, in their sin, grow them as a family, grow them um, in their marriage uh, to just serve and love you. And I pray all these things in your son's name. Amen.